Hey everybody, it's Murph and Mike on Movie Marathon. We are here to talk about the 1985 canon classic Life Force. Mike, what was your favorite part of Life Force? Was it Murphy Mike in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my For your drive time commute. Uh, probably Patrick Stewart, drugged up, speaking in a woman's sexy woman's a woman. voice. Uh, yeah, that, that <laughs> did something to my my Star Trek fan brain that I that I think I enjoyed. <laughs> I uh, do you think you could give a synopsis of what this movie was? Because I I I'll admit, um, it starts off with one thing that makes sense to me, and then it transit. It starts off with one type of monster, and then it transitions to another <laughs> type of monster. So I am not a hundred percent sure exactly how like what the uh what the premise of this is. So if you've got if you've got one, you can you can hit us with it. Go for it. Uh so space vampires. <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that needs to be the end because if I keep going, I'm gonna keep trying to like caveat everything. Uh, but like space vampires in London, uh, and it goes badly for London. <laughs> Very badly for London. <laughs> Yeah, that's um. But, but then, yeah, you want to caveat? Well, it kind of becomes a zombie movie. Yeah, I was just say it's kind of vampires. It's kind of it kind of first... starts out as like alien or like. <laughs> that's what that's where that's where the movie loses me. So I I guess the the whole movie centers around um, <laughs> a space shuttle um, exploring what is it like a, an asteroid or something that's coming by uh, Earth. And uh, it's for some reason... Yes, it's, it's uh, Haley's Comet, I believe. Is it Haley's Comet? Okay. So I My think they, they're sending a space shuttle up to investigate Haley's Comet. And they don't even know there's a spaceship there. So, okay, what version did you watch? I watched the shorter version. I forgot, okay, you're right. So there's, two, there's two versions. There's two versions. So a lot of this, in my research, <laughs> a lot of this stuff is in the longer version that explains all these details about like the spaceship and things and like what they... Fine. So I'm not sure the shorter version of what you get out of out of uh, exposition wise. I'm guessing that the shorter version is a Golan Globus cut, and that was basically what they did for theaters. Because I've I've always heard that they're they were very um, very much in favor of cutting movies uh, shorter so they could do additional uh, runs during the day in the theater. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if uh, every day and yeah. yeah yeah like I'm wondering if they cut it. They cut a shorter version and took out all the exposition <laughs> so that they could run this I, like. I can tell two you one times. thing: those dirty old men didn't cut a second of. <laughs> uh, no, the seven seven full minutes of nudity for uh, Matilda May. And apparently, that was a that was a demand of them that they keep the nudity. They have the nudity in the movie from when they had talked to Toby Hooper about directing it. Uh, Toby Hooper said that was that was like the one marching order they gave him. <laughs> Everything else is up to him. Do what you want. God, it's so we weird. want we want that nudity. <laughs> was I'm getting ahead, but it was funny. Was that's kind of how I knew this movie? I, I'd only seen it one time before, uh, and I, I listened. I watched it after. And how did this get made? I think like a decade ago, did a, an episode on it, and so yeah. I, I saw it was on streaming a couple years ago and watched it, and I'm like, "Yep, pretty weird. A lot of nudity." And uh, <laughs> when I looked it up, it's only seven minutes of on-screen nudity. But uh, Matilda May, who's I think a French actress in this, who plays—I don't even know what the hell her name is. I think she's just—I don't know. If she yeah. Does that, she have a name? I was, I was thinking that too as we were like preparing. Um, but <laughs> she's credited as Space Girl. Space Girl. Okay. So, Jesus Christ. All right. So Space Girl. 
is effectively naked for almost all of her scenes and is either naked and being seductive or naked and having sex with one of the significantly uglier male leads in this movie. (laughs) Or is naked and in one of the crystals from Superman's Fortress of Solitude. That's true, too. That's I I forgot. (laughs) I do want to talk about that. I do want to talk about how they find him. Oh, there's a lot to talk about for... The previous seven years, basically, of movies and special effects and all contributing to what this movie what, what, like, what it becomes. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that's what I was going to say was so the, the nudity was the thing I remember in that being in the whole movie being premise being kind <laughs> Understandable. of crazy. Um, watching it this time, I actually. And actually, after we talked about it, I enjoyed it more. I do think the nudity is probably there but from canon for all of the wrong reasons but i also think <laughs> if you interpret and you give the story some credit which i'm trying to do they're using it as a more tactful and subtle um dig at, at masculinity and uh i think that, that they're, yes. they're they're sort of making a big play on on uh uh femininity's impact or, or the feminine form on on masculinity uh, wow, this is I'm we're too early in this for me to be this serious about this. But <laughs> I uh, long story short, I enjoyed watching it. Uh, the thing I did not understand, though, was so this is all predicated on um, astronauts that are coming out of the United Kingdom that are all U.S. astronauts, I think. Uh, it's it's a joint. Or it's, it's a joint for oh, a joint. OK, is this like space like modern space force, you think? <laughs> like a trump trump based uh, trump, uh, trump based I, I space mean, force it, it is a contemporary story as, as far as i can tell so <laughs> <laughs> okay good enough uh, i guess it's reagan's space force with uh ah uh, this is the star wars program with um uh who would have been uh why am i blanking on who had been prime minister of england at that point uh, thatcher. Been margaret thatcher thatcher yeah, yeah, yeah this is the thatcher, thatcher era joint space I, uh, force to fight the space vampires <laughs> well so I, I was thinking about this today and this is something else so this movie what's, what's notorious about it is obviously we, we already talked about it has a lot of nudity which was a high point for this movie in the 1980s and kind of still is today um secondarily it's it's pretty widely known as being one of the bigger flops that canon had uh it was a budget of 25 million which was I think between five and seven times or so their normal spend for a movie so so it was pretty pretty significant investment for them and i think this was when they were trying to really ramp up after the, this is about five years into canon owning or going globus owning canon Films, so huge investment and this was sort of like the very the bookend of the very first big budget movie that they spent a lot of money on and it absolutely flopped because i think it, the way it goes after this was they do this they do over the top they do um superman four and then they do he-man or yeah. masters of the universe and yeah. the, all all of those were like bigger budget you know circa 20 to 30 million dollar investments and all of them just flopped and so this was pretty much the starting of the beginning of the year for canon so i do think it has a really important uh uh, uh part in the overall history of, of uh, canon films yeah I, I to that point i think early on they tried to do the apple which I think was a pretty big swing. Oh, they didn't try. A, oh, they a pretty did. big, right? Yeah, it had a pretty big budget <laughs> um, for them at that time, and and then I I think they learned their lesson a little bit and went with their formula. And then I think this was maybe a step of like, oh, let's take like a bigger swing. Um, yeah. And then I, they probably learned the wrong lessons <laughs> from it, <laughs> and 
went with, oh, we need like Sylvester Stallone or the IP of uh, He-Man. Um, and as opposed to, <laughs> we need to have a quality like script. And <laughs> that's that's what's frustrating about this for me was watching it uh, with trying to take a more serious uh, look at it this time was this this has elements of like this could have been probably a pretty good movie and this probably could have been a a a bigger hit it's just and we'll touch on it but it just falls short in a couple of areas obviously the script it, it starts out really strong and then it just sort of peters out by the end um but it starts strong and it has interesting concepts they spent a shitload of money on special effects for this movie or at least for the yeah. first half of the movie they spent lots of money on special effects well and that's um, what i think the when you talk about peters out and I, I i will say i do think this is a pretty good movie but i, I do too I, I liked the, it more than I thought. I'll, I'll say that. They kind I, of, uh, all the best special effects are kind of front loaded in the first 30, yeah. 40 minutes. And like the back end has some fun um, miniature work and stuff. Um, and some large mob scenes and stuff. But particularly, I enjoy the miniature work, but that's like a nerdy film person thing, not a like. Gonna earn fifty million at the box office opening weekend, kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, and I think the leads. You and I talked about it a little bit off camera, but I think um, the leads in this could have probably been a little bit better. Spoiler alert: I think that's where I would spend money if I was gonna put ten percent more money into this. So if I was gonna put another two and a half million in, I'd, I'd probably get. There's some better actors I think you. Could I write. would be curious because they spend the money. So they filmed this film in England, and it's at. I don't know if it's at Pinewood. I think it might have been at Pinewood, but it's because it's all the technicians, like all the crew people from Star Wars are like, yeah, all their credits are like 2001, like Bond yeah. movies, um, Empire Strikes Back. Um, that, that's like who like the art designer, like set designer, um, editor, like cinematographer. That's what like all these people are coming from these mass and like that's why i it's a really weird for me to watch because it's 85 but it kind of feels more like a 70s movie yep and it's look yep. um and feel but it has that same look as lots of movies that i really love and because like the money is being spent to make it look like those movies and it does but then it's just bunkers script that <laughs> doesn't really go anywhere and totally add up and it's adapted from a book and i think you can see that in the script that it's like why are they doing this it's like oh this must have been a scene from the book and they thought they needed to have it to make this later scene make sense but they never quite make it a cohesive <laughs> movie they're just pulling scenes it seems <laughs> now I, and I, I don't think the book is like a classic or anything i think it's a, like pretty schlocky it's called the space vampires <laughs> so yeah I think, it, I think it knows what it is like it's a genre kind of thing but to i don't think Golden the guy writing the book was they're planning they're gonna spend 25 million to make a movie out of it no i mean yeah i wonder if the guy even got paid twenty five thousand to write the book uh based on <laughs> <when it came laughs> out the quality of it yeah and it, it looks like it was filmed in pinewood and you're right it, it that's what got me this time watching it was the opening 30 or 45 minutes you're just like wow this feels like a blockbuster movie i think they had that was it the london symphony did the score 
uh, Toby Hooper is directing this, and this is after I think he he must have had like a bad string because I think I saw that Canon had offered him a three picture deal, and this was the first one. And I think so, he also got Texas Chainsaw Massacre two and something else. Invaders from Mars. Invaders from Mars, which we're gonna also cover later. Yeah. So what I read about that was, and I didn't realize this started so early, the controversy of people claiming Spielberg directed Poltergeist. Hmm. really screwed him over in Hollywood. That Poltergeist was a big hit, and that should have been his ticket to, like, getting to, like, mainstream, getting a ticket like in Hollywood. Getting movies, to, like, yeah. make, make what he wanted to do, or, like, getting some cachet in the Hollywood yeah. and that. But then there was this rumor or stuff out there that Spielberg actually directed it. And it, that it kind feels of like a Spielberg him in Hollywood, and that's why he turned. That's why he turned to Canon with a three picture deal of, like uh, he couldn't. He kind of get on like a Hollywood, um, like shit for, list of like, for, yeah. For I just needed needed like I need to reestablish myself. Interesting. I didn't realize that. I I mean I I is when I was younger. I did think it uh, Poltergeist was a. I mean it's a Spielberg produced movie. I think it's an Amblin. Yeah, movie. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what so silly about it is like i don't think toby hooper was trying to be like a french auteur like no he's a collaborative filmmaker working like yeah we I worked with spielberg making this movie because he was a producer on it and like it's like his company that's making it and i didn't yeah i didn't i didn't realize i mean it does have like a feel it feels a lot you yes. feel like a lot of et dna in that movie definitely um, the family element and kind of how they how it's shot and how it looks also feels like a, a Spielberg movie, but yeah, I, I didn't realize there was a controversy. I like Toby Hooper. Um, he's done a lot of uh, of other fun stuff, and I, I think obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably the the his peak. Unfortunately, it's one of his earlier movies, but it, it's up there. But yeah, I um I didn't realize that he had this sort of chip on his shoulder about the the whole Spielberg or Spiel. I'm not sure if he is Spielberg. I'm, I'm sure at the time he had a chip on his shoulder. I, what I was seeing was much later. Um, kind of it was just kind of like. He was just kind of like befuddled a little, like like what a weird thing to have happened. Of, um, because he had directed like multiple other movies before, and it's just, so it was like, I yeah, he, was he directed very... Jaws, and uh... <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, wait, he did. <laughs> oh, you know what? I I saw that's what I I saw. I was looking at his 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 uh credits. I forgot. I watched Salem's Lot for the first time recently, and he did that. And now, even though that was a TV movie, like that's still a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, and that was, and that was six years before well, this. Well, it's like yeah. in Life Force. I think the directing and visually it is very good. It's the script's not really there. No, and I I think I would almost wonder if they ran into budget constraints like halfway through this because that's where I think it begins to peter out for me. Is like I think I was I sent you a message. I was like I enjoy the all of the alien stuff and the build up that the um the Columbia, the spaceship that finds the aliens and, and brings them on board. Um, you know, there's this whole mystery of what's happened to it. And the astro one of the astronauts survives and crashes to earth. All of that is like really, really good. And then all of a sudden it becomes this procedural about <laughs> an SAS operative. Um, uh, was it Kane? Is it Kane? Let me see. Armstrong is the astronaut. Well, not no, Armstrong's no, not the Car astronaut. Carlson is Car the astronaut. Carlson's the astronaut. Yeah, Kane. Kane is the SAS guy. Yeah. Uh, and 
then it like just really slows down and <laughs> the special effects with like the blood coming out of Patrick Stewart's head on the helicopter and all that <laughs> stuff. It's just, just like, oh, okay, this isn't maybe going as well as I thought it was. But then it picks so, back up again in the third act. So it's like, eh, okay. So, I, I, so yeah, my take was I like three of the four movies they did. I like <laughs> I like the sci-fi movie they made. I like the horror vampire movie they made. And I like the horror zombie movie they made. I unfortunately don't like the detective movie they made very much. This and in that's the middle like, of the movie. That's 40 minutes of the middle. And so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because this is what what is it? Even on the on the short runtime, it's almost two hours, right? Uh, it's one. It's an hour forty one. The shorter, okay. okay. And the there longer is a two, like basically two hours, two hours a minute. So, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that that's where it fell apart for me was like the third act. I do enjoy when they get back to London and uh, basically the entire premise of twenty eight days later takes over. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel that wouldn't act. be so. If he hadn't just seen this procedural you're talking about, I, that probably wouldn't seem as jarring. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like all of a sudden, yeah, you're right. It's exactly 28 days later has broken out. And it's like, okay, back to back to it's, this movie. Yeah, I just I just never I never um understood why they took it, it felt like for budget reasons, we're like, all right, we need to do like a walk and talk with these guys. <laughs> we just need to like <laughs> cool it on special effects and crazy locations. And uh, we're going to go to a uh, a very green room and we're going to beat a woman up. And that was pretty much like <laughs> yeah. the walk and talk. It's All right. strange. I'm trying to see if there's anything. So you hit the cannon. Hit the... Okay. I think we'd probably, uh, yeah, start digging in a little bit. Should we dig um, into uh, Carlson and Stewart, Patrick Stewart's character, Armstrong, <laughs> making out? That was a... Oh, we'll get there. I get uh, Patrick Stewart's apparently first on-screen kiss was with another guy. In this crappy movie. How it should have been. <laughs> Tell everybody which is their first. Also, time I, I enjoyed Patrick Stewart is in a wheelchair, and it's a uh, you know, I like. I wish. like Professor X. He kept touching his temple a lot and talking about headaches, so I'm yeah. assuming it was the uh, same character. Yeah. No. So this movie opens um, the spaceship. Heading to investigate Haley's Comet. And they find um, in the wake of Haley's Comet that they couldn't pick up is um, this giant spaceship. I think they say it's like 150 miles long, um, which is pretty, yeah. Pretty space bonkers. umbrella? Is that is that what it was? The space umbrella? Yeah. Okay. Well, eventually it becomes the space umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so they go investigate um, the ship, and inside are these, these like bat like creatures that are like giant but desiccated they've been in space um and eventually go investigate and there's these three naked like humanoids or these crystals <laughs> um but so Dis- they're display cases they look like they're yeah. like a department yeah. store display case but all through this the special effects are really really good i mean it's like i mean 85 you know, you're, you're coming out of out of uh, Return of the Jedi. Indiana um, Jones we've seen movies. Alien, we've seen, and it's it's Alien, there yeah. with all those movies, like this opening as far as space goes. Any of the Star Trek movies we've seen up to this point, yeah, um, it's there. Um, and what I thought was very funny, they have extended scenes of them in spacesuits, um, floating across to the spaceship, entering. And then the spaceship has like massive, massive chambers. So while they were filming these massive chambers and they were in these spacesuits, 
I guess they used the same rigs they used when they shot Superman. <laughs> but for Superman, it was generally like one of them. And they could handle that and control it a little better. For these, they had like three or four going at once. And like <laughs> anything that would bump something would really set these things like swinging and swaying. <laughs> and I guess they had them. It took forever to shoot this because they kept getting swinging. It would make people sick. and They would throw up. Oh, God. And they'd be throwing up from like 40 feet up in the air. Oh, God. Or they'd be throwing up inside their space helmet. <laughs> so they have to stop Jesus. everything and clean this stuff off. So they, it would like take a day to film just like... <laughs> anything they were doing i was like but that's like that's that the, the kind of money the they were spending on this yeah it's like that the, is the best part of the movie where they're gonna take the time like we want to get these effects right and nail them um and it looks fantastic and it looks great um and so while but <laughs> while they're investigating they they you start you get this like editing and shots where it seems like there's a psychic connection to these especially the woman <laughs> in there where you can see the men in particular and that's where it starts you reference the theme of um that she's completely naked and the control the female form can have over a male mind that was i liked that my question with all of this was like so these are aliens later on they implied that this is not the first time these aliens have, have encountered earthlings or humans they imply it. i don't think yes. they ever actually come out and say it but um, I, yeah, I can't remember if they confirm it or if it's like a theory for one of the characters. Or like they, they definitely say, "Oh, this is where our belief, our like story of vampires came from. They've been yeah, here that, before." That, uh, but I don't know if we get like a confirmation of. But if they're aliens, why do they look human? Like that was like that's what I couldn't tell is if it was supposed to be sort of a Trojan horse of I sorts. Took it, I took it as they had the ability to make that like change themselves if they wanted to and make so like i i'm probably extrapolating <laughs> a i feel like lot we're, we're doing way too much work for this movie for the credit. Right, I, I need to go read the space vampires book <laughs> to i don't think you're gonna have the answers i think you can read space uh, vampires five but, times so, so i read it as this ship floats through space and whatever planet they come across they can make themselves super attractive versions of that species. Okay. That's and a lot that's of work what... for, the, for, the, for the movie, but I'll give you that. <laughs> and that might just be like a lifetime of like reading like sci-fi fantasy of just like, that seems like a premise some sci-fi author would come up with. And... No, it makes sense here. I, I think that was, it was interesting that it was one very attractive woman and then two sort of Derek Zoolander looking dudes. <laughs> that we're all that we're also in the uh, also in the Very other attractive display cases. They're really, 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 really good looking. So, um, there's just a part where like one of those guys is breaking out later on when they're on Earth, and he looks exactly like Zoolander. And he, but he's like, <laughs> I just laughed. I'm like, the guy look the guy looks fantastic, but I'm like, I can't take this shit seriously. Things like that will make me realize, like, I have no clue what women find attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I I believe this guy is very good looking and I, I kind of see it. But if if a woman told me like, nah, he's not that great. I'm like, OK, who's not on par with, with the woman? Because like, Matilda May is very attractive. Oh, she's um, gorgeous. 
and I think the men are as well. But yeah, they're, they, like, everybody, everybody. I looks, don't know. But then I'm like, all, I don't know. They're kind of skinny <laughs> dudes. If you the, want a more muscly guy, like, I gotta. I don't know. I don't know what women are looking for. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't show Matilda May your lack of confidence because I think she'll suck your your soul out. <laughs> if I've learned anything from this movie is if if you let your guard down. That is true. Which is uh um. Well, I guess all right. So keep going. So you know they 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 discover the aliens. So quick question: cases. Can you okay. hear me a lot better now? I can hear you a lot better now. Yeah, my mic was backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you should get this really cool, uh, colorful gaming mic that I got because I didn't realize what I was buying, and I, I bought a uh, a uh-oh, a uh, a kid's gaming mic for uh, using for podcasts. Nice. Does it have spiders in it? Uh, no spiders in this one, but you never know. There could be next week. I need to yeah. put this in a place where it's spider-free environment. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. What were you asking me, Matilda May? Oh, uh, just, just the. Uh, we're gonna go back to the like. Okay, so they're in the display case, and they get brought aboard because of this. The psychic connections with um, these astronauts, and <laughs> I. Uh, it's funny to me just because the aliens are the most attractive people in this movie, and everybody else is like a fucking four in this <laughs> wow <laughs> well everybody's just like looks weird like they're just like kind of very so okay so, <laughs> gangly british middle-aged I, actors in this so toby hooper i, I was listening to some of these talking about they had a really really hard time finding the actress to play the matilda may role can't imagine why uh because at that time in england i guess it was difficult um, to find a woman who would be naked on screen, an actress. And the ones they could find <laughs> weren't quite up to the standard they were looking for. What they well, yeah, what they wanted for the role. Uh, so they're flying in like all these actresses and models <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> and um, all I can think of is I was like, I, I really wonder if Golden Globus flew out for uh, <laughs> to England to supervise uh, <laughs> this uh, this screen testing, um, but. I guess Matilda May, uh, she couldn't speak English at the time. And all her dialogue is like phonetically. They had to feed her, which she does a good job. She does. Of... She does. It's just, uh... does she have that much dialogue? It's just a little bit of no, dialogue, though, really, right. at the end, I think. She's uh, giving some exposition. It'd yeah. be easy for that to be a laughable acting performance. And it's, um... but no, she does a good job. Um... And is. And then they got, I they see why they took the time with the casting because it is, even though she has seems that this is where the movie gets a little loses you a little bit. They don't really communicate well her abilities. No, and that's they never have you never have any and sense of where the rules are for, you, for these you, monsters. Yeah, you get it's beyond just she's physically attractive that she has some kind of psychic power over men or something but in the casting like you buy um that men that she is that physically attractive where you get like men would like stop and be sucked in by this um and that so and i just think that helps so much making this plot believable that this she guy is, is, was is beautiful. Burned. She actually, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It is not a stretch by any by any stretch of the imagination that that she is this attractive. <laughs> so. uh, 
But then there's some interesting commentary, especially when she's escaping from the facility with the guards who encounter her. And are like the most chauvinistic, like assholey like, oh, yeah, no, reactions to seeing this beautiful naked woman. <laughs> yeah, um, they treat them like 13 year olds. They're like, blimey! Right. Oh my but God. I, it also at times feels like these men still expect to have like some control over her. Um, like they're not yeah. threatened by this unusual circumstance because it's still like a woman. And, and, and then her being able to like, suck their souls out and destroy them um is like uh is shocking to them because it's so foreign from their experience of any kind of woman of but that that i think that's where the movie is at its strength is because if if you do some work for it that it that that's the uh that's the the messaging of the 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 sort of feminine figure over men that, that, it does feel like that's where they're giving they're giving some credence to that stuff but yeah have you ever seen um the scarlett johansson movie under the skin that has very very similar themes with it um oh, andrew's son looks like he came in he he has some thoughts about matilda may uh Wow, he has a Matilda May poster from Life Force, Andrew's son. I will be right back. I'm going to pause it and come right back. <laughs> okay, I'll take your time. I'm going to run the bathroom. You turned your mic off. I'm glad I recorded the entire part of that conversation. Right back. <laughs> and we're back. I uh, Sorry <laughs> about that. I uh, had a small family emergency. We're good now, so... I cut you off on your your points around the <laughs> small emergency. Five dead bodies. Five um, dead bodies. <laughs> uh, no, so I, I I couldn't have been that important. What I was saying. No. Uh, so still, we we're going through Matilda May. As yeah, yeah. Um... Oh, let's keep focusing on it. Let's keep focusing <laughs> on Matilda May because. Uh... Uh, I was asking you, have you seen the movie Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson? I have not. It's very similar. Of Ooh. She's an alien. I believe she's an alien. Um, but she is an attractive woman who uses that to like seduce men and then consumes them in some <laughs> strange way. So it's also the movie um, Species, the 1995 <laughs> Natasha Henstridge classic or Kinski classic uh, Species. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> so okay, because uh, I just want to make sure because I don't want to leave out any movies that have uh, that have Michael Madsen and uh, Force Whitaker in it. <laughs> Get he was in there. Let's throw let's go throwback to our boy from last week, Force Whitaker from uh, Bloodsport. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there is like something going on in this movie of because they definitely are. are that's a, uh, the movie's aware that that's what it's doing. It's not like an accident of um, the way these like chauvinistic men are the impact, the impact this woman is having on them and how unprepared they are um, for something they kind of view as in their domain to suddenly have power over them that they're not, it doesn't seem like a threat to them because they expect to control it. And then when it controls them is they're completely unprepared for it. <laughs> and when they get uh, 
uh, when they are made aware, it turns them into dusty, tiny old men. <laughs> it basically <laughs> turns them into one of the Nazis from the end of uh, Last Crusade. <laughs> so that that's some of the special effects in here. I think part of the reason why this movie, a lot of the special effects are an amalgamation of things like you've seen before. Mm-hmm. And that's where maybe you can see that it's like a canon film that it's there's no push to a vision beyond that. They're trying yeah. to take elements that have been financially successful and repurpose them into into their own thing. That's that seems to be canon's thing is like everything they do is always just a little bit derivative of something better. Um, yeah. <laughs> best example I can think actually it's around this time was when they made the first missing in action movie and supposedly that was all just based on on ripping off uh, James Cameron's script for for Rambo 2 or First Blood Part 2 that had been floating around Hollywood around that time and I, I guess uh, what was it I think it was TriStar ended up optioning it to make it with Stallone in like 1985 but uh, Golan and Globus were like super pumped that they that they pushed out missing an action like i think it's a few months before rambo yeah. 2 got released they're like we did it we didn't rip it off because look it ours came out first <laughs> so it's like that was like their argument for like well we actually did this we we, we did a better job because we we got to, we got to the market first <laughs> we but, did it first and with chuck norris and with chuck norris who would, i would argue is a better fighter than john j rambo <laughs> Um, so I think I think to your point, that's you see that thought process like sprinkled throughout all the pieces of like looks <laughs> the the sci-fi elements that do work. Yeah, because the sci-fi is alien Geiger kind of yep. things within the ship. Um, the ship itself has some two thousand one, maybe Star Trek and alien. Kinda, I think there's some alien elements. vibes to it yeah, too. As, yes, yeah. definitely, definitely, and and they're very good. There's some great shots of them in the spaceship walking through the corridors, the way the camera tilts. Like I think Hooper directs it. Pretty well, extremely Pretty well. Yeah, on those on those, and it's very compelling. Um, and one of the script things I did like. So during this time, they make it. They kind of Carlson's the leader, and it slowly okay. spools out over the movie. Yeah, that he actually is the one who got kind of taken over. And That's what actually exactly what I was looking at was was <laughs> they set it up and it's like they're they're messaging pretty hard that I'm like uh Carlson Carlson did that shit he killed everybody on that <laughs> ship uh, but I don't know it kind of it worked for me I, I didn't um I wouldn't say I, I was on for, along for the ride I wasn't questioning necessarily as they slowly like spooled out that. Carlson had this connection with like the head vampire woman, but eventually rebelled against it and tried to set fire to the ship and destroy everything. Uh, and I, I thought that for like the script, the slowly spool that out and the way it did it as he's investigating where this woman has now escaped to and that, um, I thought that was one of the better script elements of of the movie that actually um, actually worked for me. Oh, your mic's off. <laughs> oh, did I turn it off? My bad. Hey. Um, no, I, I, fair fair point. I just uh, 
I, it seemed, I don't know, I felt like they were messaging pretty hard. It was like, because Carlson, when they, when they revealed that they find the bodies, <laughs> and Mike died, uh, Carlson is, can you not hear me? Mike's making, I, Mike's I still have my blood sport background up from last week uh, of John Claude Van Damme screaming blind, and I'm, I'm doing weird things too about Andrew Stocking. Sexual things. Um, I, I I thought that like they messaged just so hard when uh, Carlson and the rest of the Columbia crew find find the three aliens. He's just like, oh, it's amazing. Like, he just seems so compelled, and he just seems so drawn in by by the aliens, especially oh, May. See, I get distracted by they have an older astronaut who I thought was even more over the top of how like no, I thought I was, I was like I was like Carlson's. Uh, so I get, I get sucked in by that guy of like, oh, that guy's gonna do anything. <laughs> like, well, I think that's that guy, Carlson. Are you sure that's not Carlson? <laughs> no, no, it's there's another British astronaut who's like, man, that guy just ejaculated in his suit. Like he is excited. <laughs> I thought they were messaging pretty hard that Carlson did it. And, then, and when he lands and he's the only survivor, I was like, okay, it's probably one of two things. Either he's he's possessed somehow by these space alien vampires or he did all of the horrible things that they reveal later, which is another, another astronaut yeah. crew goes up and they find the Columbia. Everybody looks like these little tiny mummified dusty corpses and the whole, the whole place looks like there's a fire that broke out on the, on the spaceship. Yeah, the, the, when he comes back, you do as like someone who has watched movies before, and they're not, they're not this is good or bad. Just saying, like if you've seen a movie before, you know. Yeah. Well, either he's going to be accused of being of helping them, or he's been helping them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, and, but, yeah. But that's what's so strange is is they they keep referencing that he's somehow broken that connection that that draw between him and 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 Space Girl. Um, and, uh, at times it seems to compel him. And then at times he seems to be able to break free of it, but then they slowly reveal that he has the psychic connection. So it's, again, it's like, you don't really know what the rules are and yeah, it's that's hard to swear. It, it, it's that's where the middle part, we're talking about that procedural and that, that's where that stuff is slowly kind of comes out, but then it's just like an exposition dump later, <laughs> but, and it's just, you just don't have a grounding in the rules of it. No, and that that and that that shakes you to shook me a lot of like, uh, okay, like what does this really mean? Is this any any of this actually important? And it, it just makes you stop caring. Yeah. Uh, so, so another thing I I didn't that kind of shook me was like <laughs> a nude a fully nude woman uh, escapes a seemingly high security British uh, military base, and then she proceeds to. I think walk across the English countryside still completely naked. And it never seems to actually. Nobody ever stops her. There's never seems to be any sort of (laughs) like, like, uh, like interdiction for, for a nude woman walking around the country. It's just weird. So in your version, did they have the scene where how she possessed the red haired woman? I they allude she to possesses her. She possesses they, the woman and she she seduces another man after she's possessed her, but I don't but, think but they show they, that. I don't think they show it. Okay, like, okay. I, I lost all of that. If if if, if that happened, I lost the whole <laughs> so, scene. There there are the um <laughs> so they get the report of oh, there's um another desiccated body, which we need to go back and talk about the effects 
for those desiccated bodies because I think they're pretty cool. Um, they're good. I like in those. the lab and stuff. But um, you know, but they get a report. There's a desiccated body. Um, so the SAS guy Kane and Carlson. They go like talk to the police. Like, well, here are the two guys who reported who reported it, and they report. Oh, we saw these two women, or and they're doing like like it's like seventies London talk, not even eighty five. They saw these two birds, and one of them was naked. Um, uh, and they're like nudge, oh. nudge, wink, wink. We thought they were, uh, you know, you know what we thought they were, and so we walked away. But then uh, we're like, well, wait a minute, let's head back and uh, see what we can watch these two doing. <laughs> I think they show, and they're like the seediest looking, like twenty year old British guys. I think I think some of that's still in there. I I don't. I when I was taking notes, I might have missed that part, but I just remember it, like that's where the whole movie just gets weird. Is like, if I wasn't paying attention enough, so, and that happened, I think I might have missed a step, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah. okay, we're so now I, we're following I, this redheaded woman to. <laughs> Because yeah, she's I think the psychic connection for. I think what they're doing in that scene is it's again it's men saw her naked and assume like sexuality, not danger, and not yeah, and don't think anything's amiss or just like oh hey buddy <laughs> look at what <laughs> we got here. <laughs> Which don't is mind right. if I take a look at this. <laughs> hey, what if I keep um, talking like I'm from the 1950s? Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, and that's where like you get it like. But then, so she possesses this redhead woman who then seduces a man, and it, but it starts this whole reaction of like a zombie vampire plague sweeping through London. But then later in the movie, like Matilda May is back in like her Matilda May body. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. And, and, it's like, and so what's what's the rules of like how is wait, this? And after uh, Armstrong, Patrick Stewart's character, he he becomes possessed. Or I guess he's been infected. I guess maybe it's the word. I don't. I don't. I don't even know what the fucking word is for it. Both. Yeah. He's he's infected, possessed by the space vampires, which that's a wonderful sentence to say. Um, he <laughs> after he starts communicating, or Matilda May communicates through him, and then they put his dead body into because they, they keep. That's actually I want to talk about that. That's one of my favorite parts is they keep uh, injecting. After they realize that he's been um, he's been compromised and he's been infected or whatever, uh, Patrick Stewart's character gets restrained. Uh, this character Armstrong and they keep pumping him full of like sodium pentothal, which is supposed to be like a truth serum. I think that's what it is. But it's like they just take these giant syringes and he's like, "Oh, he's starting to turn. Fuck it, just put two into his neck." And it's like, yeah, they like, "Oh, he's yeah, so Inject him with more. It's, it's like blade killing vampires. Like yes. It's like, it's like I, I don't think you can actually blame this guy's death on the fucking vampires. Like I'm pretty sure you guys fucking overdosed this guy <laughs> in the hospital. Like you could have been injecting him with like placebos and he'd be dead. Yeah, it's like, like it's like I, I, even if it, yeah, even if it was like just a sugar overdose, like you just gave him yeah. type two diabetes in this scene. Um, but that's what it doesn't make sense. Again, is uh, they're on the helicopter transporting his body back to London before they really reveal the whole third act and London's falling apart. And Patrick Stewart's body sort of barfs out like this bloody matilda may yeah, entity I, I really like this it's interesting the head looks like the head from friday the 13th part three that was my problem <laughs> it looks so fake it looks like somebody just yeah. took like a like a um 
milk jug and just put like a Patrick Stewart mask over and like, all right, pour some blood out of the, out of the mouth of this thing and let's see how it goes. <laughs> I guess I like the maybe I like the concept of like she was like inside him, like in his blood, and like rips herself out, and um, or like is within him and has to rip herself out, which rips blood out and it like splashes on the floor. I don't know. I I enjoyed the concept of the possessed thing ripping itself out so violently of like, and it's yeah, yeah. It like really raises the stakes a bit because you think like oh it's like captured in here really tried to kick it and then it, it can get out of just not something to, I've I've seen in a lot of other movies where like possession and things happen the Fair violent enough. escape I I would uh, I would argue that they were definitely tapped out of um, special effects budget maybe when they <laughs> shot this or it was just too brightly lit because it's like you see too much of that face and it's like oh okay that's not Patrick Stewart that's not even a human being like that's just like a it just it just looks too yeah i, too I think it's just where they're pushing the limits of 85 special effects like Probably. it's like when you watch like back to the future there's practical effects too that's and the like thing. the it's car flies at the end you can see like some haloing around the car I mean, like you just see like you can see the seams a little bit on on some of that stuff of and um Hey, yeah, we, and I don't, I don't. we we didn't talk about, it, but you 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 alluded to it already with with it, the special effects. Maybe it's a good point to talk about is John Dykstra. I think is the head of the visual effects for this, and John Dykstra yeah. was instrumental as um uh, one of the lead guys for uh, the video effects for for Star Wars. And I think um, I will say just if anybody's ever ever interested or bored, there's a really good documentary on. Um, uh disney plus i think it's called industrial lights and yes uh, the first I couple episodes, to watch that. it's really good uh they, they okay. interviewed john dykstra and they talk a lot about his falling out with uh george lucas and i think dykstra was probably a little bit more it sounds like he was a little bit more of a free spirit with with how he was doing things and how they were spending money and how they were going through the development and then and lucas was pushing more as a results driven I have something I need to get done type of guy. And it seems like their, their styles didn't mesh. Uh, it's really a documentary because it, it does go into that. And it goes into after the first star Wars, uh, how Lucas moves all of um, ILM up to, uh, I can't remember what the name of the city. Is. It, it's North. It's just North of right, San Francisco yeah. where, where um, Skywalker ranches and how it was like, they invited a, you know, a select group of people. And it was, it was sort of a handpicked group by, by, lucas but it, but at, at the same time um dykstra doesn't get invited to go along and so it was sort of this this dis- decisive point but i mean he was credited with a lot of the the success of the video or the the special effects and star wars and um it's interesting actually i'm looking at his imdb and he's not credited with star wars on on uh letterboxd which is really strange uh yeah, I'm looking at I mean IMDB, he's visual effects on A New Hope for sure. Um They don't give it to him on uh on uh Letterboxd. He's got Spider-Man movies, X-Men, two Batman movies, this, Hancock, Ghost in the Shell, Invaders from Mars, and My Stepmother's an Alien. So it's weird. He 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 for whatever reason not getting credit for Star Wars on uh on um no, I, yeah, on um IMDB he's got a new hope. And then he's got uh, the first Star Trek movie, <laughs> Caddyshack. 
I guess the gopher is yeah, responsible yeah. for the gopher or the or the dookie uh, uh, uh baby ruth or is it baby ruth oh maybe maybe but then a whole the bunch g- of batman spider-man movies uh yep. inglorious bastards um looks like looks like uh tarantino's used him a bunch he's good i think that was the takeaway from the the industrial lights uh uh or, or light is it it's your light magic or industrial light or something like that uh on disney plus <laughs> but i mean he was responsible for a lot of really cool and innovative things that they were able to do and i i i i do like i think his work here and to your point you know the special effects there's parts where you can i'm complaining you can see the seams to use your words but overall i think the the big sets and the and some of the miniature work is fantastic in this it's really great to see special effects that are practical effects and that are built and that kind of exist yeah well you know, it's desiccated bodies are fantastic yeah and i guess those were all those were um puppets oh okay which we should say that that's what matilda may's character does to people is she she seduces uh and overpowers men and then sucks their life force from their from their mouth and turns them into these <laughs> scarecrow sort of mummy looking uh, uh characters. And it basically like sucks all the water out of them, it seems. That is like they're completely dried out. It's kind of how I read it. <laughs> as like what would that's a good point. physical physically that, happening. That that's a good that's a good proxy for it, is they do look like they're just they're just dehydrated bodies. Because when they don't get like a infusion of life force again, they just crumble to dust. Yep, they uh, they turn into uh, um, apparently the special effects they also used in the 1999 Brendan Fraser, Fraser classic, The Mummy. They also apparently used these same models and puppets. In, yes, in that, which is like, what the hell were these things doing for about 15 years? <laughs> like, where were they being kept? <laughs> Just getting more desiccated. <laughs> Do you think that they kept them in like their basement, kind of like how Jay's parents kept Hari in their basement? <laughs> That's my hope. That's a that's a real deep. That's a real for, deep, uh, very specific, <laughs> very specific pull for, for anybody. <laughs> keeping keeping uh, 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 faux humans in your basement. <laughs> but yeah, overall special effects I thought were were pretty good. I I do feel like for a canon, even for a canon movie, you see a lot of the money on the screen. Oh, and, and spend the twenty five million. Yeah, well, and the problem is they spend it all on the special effects. It seems like. Yeah. So, yeah. would you have spent some more money? And I, like I said, uh, spoiler alert: I would throw more money at ten uh, percent more of the budget at hiring um, better, better lead actors. The guys here that that play uh, Kane and and Carlson, who their names are too similar for the two leads. I think yeah. personally, but um, I do think that like you probably could have gotten, I'll use your word, probably more charismatic or more. Uh, and interesting and not to leads. say they're bad. They're, they're both fine. Yeah. Um, they do a fine job. It's just the movie really slows down at times. Yeah. And it helped if you had people who are just like super compelling to look at on screen who are just movie star people. Yeah, I was. That's what's tough is I was trying to think of who I would who I would put in those roles. I think at that time, at that time, I mean that that's kind of tough. Like if I was going to pick the American, I think I actually even had. I have to look at my notes. I think I even had somebody I I suggested of. of, Oh, I think I put either I put Scott Glenn as a as an opportunity for like, uh, um, him as the the Carlson role. 
Scott Glenn was probably not too far into his career so before he did the right stuff at this point. All right, Him, so what what if he did that and had Patrick Stewart as Kane? That's where I wish they had Patrick Stewart as one of the one, okay. is the one of the British leads. I think that would have been a better. I think he's he's a history has already shown us he is a better actor. <laughs> He probably would have elevated yeah. elevated the second and third acts by having him as one of the 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 leads rather than um, he can just make things feel more dramatic and yeah Shakespearean. I would think yeah, that's what I think I enjoyed was when he his possession when they when they reveal that and he's again they're just injecting him full of shit. <laughs> um, he he just feels like he's bringing the Shakespearean performance to this possession by a female alien. <laughs> It just feels like he's bringing gravitas to something that just doesn't deserve. Yes, he can. He can do. <laughs> yeah. So, and well, I, I it's like, like the um, the British like Hammer horror films with like Christopher Lee. It's like these actors who can bring gravitas, and that's what this is missing a little bit. Some gravitas, yeah, to the, these roles that kind of infuse it with um something a little more and so you just go there are some actors who bring that you just go too long where it's like the carlson and kane show um <laughs> and they're more like course. a 70s comparison conspiracy theory like duo of where you need the plot to be carrying what they're doing i i agree i agree i um i like uh peter firth who plays kane in this i think he he's a good actor i th- oh definitely yeah but again, you spend you spend too much time with them for maybe the caliber of actor they they are, and I think if you did have like one tier higher, you you would probably have a like a really interesting, compelling movie here. I uh, I was also just looking at Peter Firth, who plays Kane's uh, uh, IMDb. He plays a guy named Ivan Putin in *Hunter uh, <laughs> <on Red> October*. <laughs> He's the guy that Ramus uh, he breaks his neck on the ship. He's like the the <laughs> wormy Russian uh, political soul or political agent that's on uh, on board the the Red October. <laughs> and I like him. I think he's a good actor. I just I just oh I agree. Yeah, they could yeah, they could have gone like like a couple degrees higher. Like spend some extra money, get like Michael Douglas maybe early in his career, but when he's not you know he's not super super uh, he's yet. Eighty five. He's pretty big. Because he's already done *Romancing the Stone* at that point, I is believe that right? so. Yeah, oh, he hasn't yeah, done *Wall Street*. Definitely. He hasn't done. Um, what, what's the? Oh God, it's the other one with uh, Glenn Close. Um, *Fatal Attraction*. Yeah, he's in the *Fatal Attraction* yet. He hasn't no, done no, that's like, like *Black like Rain* nine or something. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, you could still kind of maybe maybe you have you can afford to get Michael Douglas. Yeah, you have to pay. Yeah, but yeah, if you're look, doing... if you're throwing like 15 million at Sly Stallone to do an arm wrestling movie, right? For maybe your you pretty decent sci-fi movie, maybe you could go get like a Michael and Douglas. I, or and I guess that's kind of the idea of, and maybe that's a more modern idea or more 90s idea of. This is still like a B schlock movie. It is, uh, but 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 if your script's going to be that, you need the actors to elevate. If you're spending if you're, that money, you need the actors. Sucks. Yeah, get actors to elevate everything else. Around. To elevate what you're doing and make it more compelling. And then you get a chance to have a box office hit because they'll make these scenes still work. Uh, agreed. And that's, again, I, I go back to like the first 45 minutes. Um, I'm looking at my, my notes and it was like, you know, they open it up and it's Dan O'Bannon wrote it, I think. Um, yeah, he's, yeah which, he's one of the screenwriters. Um, and that then, Toby Hooper brought him in. 
That's right, because the uh, Toby Hooper was supposed you said was supposed to do Return of the Living Dead and left that to do to do this, yeah. which I I like. I really like. Well, you and I already have already covered it in an unreleased episode, <laughs> which I'm not <laughs> sure if that will ever see secret episode, <laughs> Light of Day or not. But I really like that movie. I, I I would have been interested to see Toby Hooper direct it. But you know, you've got Toby Hooper, you've got John Dykstra, you've got Dan O'Bannon uh, writing it. You've got I think it was the London Symphony that was the the um uh did the score it just feels like you have it's weird that they did invest all that money in sort of the outer edges of the movie but to your point like besides the special effects on screen they just don't make the investment and And it's what makes it a canon movie (laughs) probably yes so i'll Uh, ask you a question because you because you suggested this we we need to come back to it on blood sport but you asked me what do you think the most (laughs) canon quality of this of this movie is in terms of like part of being part of the canon films uh legacy. So, I was able to narrow it down to three. <laughs> You're doing better than me. And uh my initial was so when Matilda May um is escaping the facility they've put her in, um she's walking through naked and you get various reactions from like different guards seeing her naked <laughs> and so um and sorry, I'm laughing like a five year old when I when you say that. But. <laughs> and it's just like pretty, pretty humorous at times. But so th- she's coming down these stairs, and there's like three guards, and there's one who's like a little older who's been like eating some cookies, and they're all kind of thinking like, well, this is like a crazy person, and we need to like, which that he's like, C- come here, doll, like, and, but he's offering her a cookie, <laughs> like, and it's like. <laughs> It is like what a canon moment! This misogynistic guard offering a cookie to this naked space vampire, <laughs> like, uh, but um, I thought about some other things. So during the procedural, they're tracking down these people who the vampire has possessed mentally, and they go to this woman's apartment, and Carlson is forcefully interrogating her. <laughs> And during <laughs> during it, we learn he he tells us, "Oh, this woman is a masochist, and she likes this. She's only going to tell me if I force it out of her." And it's like, wow, that's, that's a choice for the movie. And but he tells Kane, "You don't have to watch." And Kane says, "Oh, I'm a natural voyeur." And just plops his butt down, comfortable as can be. Of like, yeah, I'm gonna watch the shit out of this. And it's like, what is happening? What are we watching right now? Like, uh, it's like, on. It's got, on point for canon, though. You're this right. It's got really weirdly sexual, like really fast in an unnecessary way. And like, yeah. So I think that's only you're not getting that from a Hollywood movie. Like, that's a very canon. That's uh, uh well uh 1985 is also uh and I wish we were covering it on this run I'm so disappointed we're not but Death Wish three came out and that was also a uh a canon movie the same year and that has a lot of um excessive nudity and violence against women that that doesn't build any sort of payoff it's just a kind of a horrible dark movie so well, it's like uh, so yeah it's pretty canon for 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 them and speaking of things we need to cover. There's a canon movie called Murphy's Law. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I, I think I've seen like yeah. maybe five, <laughs> first five minutes of it. Yes, we're going to watch it. We're going to definitely watch it. I also want to see it because it's a Bronson movie. Yeah, um, yeah, it's the... I think the most... the cake, baby. The most... So I, I, 
I have oh, one more. Oh, which we've talk, we have talked about. Ooh. Um, Patrick Stewart uh, speaking in the sexy woman's voice, <laughs> getting drugged up as as it. <laughs> Patrick Stewart possessed by a space vampire. I think it's so canon because you have an established. You have like a star. Um, like a. They, they went the wrong way every, with the whole thing. Yeah, you have the, an actor everybody knows. Like everyone would recognize well, but Patrick in Stewart in 1985. No, no, I don't. But I just mean in retrospect, or like, yeah, not not 1985, but just now looking at it, you have an actor like everyone would know performing this bizarre scene <laughs> that like everyone would almost also say, "Wow, this is pretty weird," <laughs> and that feels extremely canon as well. <laughs> All right, you know what, you know what this, may, this makes me want to do is I want to go back and watch the, all the X-Men movies. There's a scene in X-Men 3 when Jean Grey possesses Professor X and starts talking to Cyclops through <laughs> Professor X's body. I want to see if it's just that's just a shot-for-shot remake of this scene in in uh, Life Force where Matilda May's character is... is Overtaken, uh, <laughs> overtaken. Um, not uh, Patrick Stewart's body. Not much in the world would make me happier than to hear a story of someone who worked in that movie be like, "Yeah, Patrick Stewart came on set that day, and wings the whole thing." So, so <laughs> this woman is possessing me. Guys, are you sure you want to do this? Because I was in another movie where they did something <laughs> similar. <laughs> hey, you know what? You could be right because uh, let's be honest here: X Men Three fucking sucked. So. <laughs> Yeah, that is one of the weakest of the lot. <laughs> All right, I, I think we figured we cracked that nut that there's a canon crossover. Uh, so if I have to give it to something, I, oh man, I guess I'm going to give it to the Carlson Kane bizarre interrogation pseudo sex <laughs> scene. Just, I, it's it's maybe the weirdest scene in the movie in a movie with uh, with a movie that has space vampires. So. And zombies and space vampire zombies. Yes. So like it, it gets weird. Yeah, we keep referencing that. It's at the end more so, but uh the vampire infection kind of becomes a zombie infection. But yeah, <laughs> just to it catch never some really makes up. a lot of sense. I don't know. Um, yeah. uh, but uh so yeah. But so, so what's your uh, most canon moment? <laughs> I'm gonna take it from the business end of the canon films uh saga, and I'm gonna go with to me the most canon thing is that they filmed something about a U.S. astronaut and set the entire thing in the United Kingdom and in London. <laughs> and the reason I say that is, is uh, I need to, I want to do a little more research, but everything I've kind of been reading about was sometime in the mid 1980s. And you, you touched on it on the blood sport episode. Canon does Canon's big way of getting financing done was they would yeah. sell advanced rights to movies, usually for international rights for distribution. And I think that they were, it seems like they were doing very, very well in the United Kingdom in the 1980s for, for sort of these Americanized films. And around the mid eighties, I think they had bought into a, a United Kingdom cinema franchise for like movie theaters throughout the UK. And so (laughs) I honestly think this entire movie was filmed in the United Kingdom because it was cheaper than the U S at the time. And on top of that, they were simply doing it just to appeal to all of the people who were going to be going to these United Kingdom based cinemas to go watch these movies. I think it's purely and, just a money play for them to be like, we're going to pump this fucking and, thing for all it's worth. And that's why they have all the British actors, all the it's, British technicians. Exactly it's probably a big tax break. The more British people you employ. That's exactly they, it. They needed the one American guy to sell it in America. 
And I think I'm checking it right now. I'm almost positive. But I'm to your point, they should have sprung for a Michael Douglas if that was their model. Yeah, and I, I, but yeah, like they don't they don't do anything to actually bring in. Yeah, in, you're right. You're any, right. any no. real U.S. <laughs> uh, uh, investment. I will say though that same year, Canon movie, uh, they filmed a lot of uh, Death Wish three in London or or like the surrounding UK. Oh yeah, uh, they're definitely yeah, and, and like. There's scenes where you see it and you're like, that looks like the fucking set that where they filmed Full Metal Jacket and they filmed this like on the same at the same time. So it, it definitely feels like uh, it definitely uh, feels like they're just like there's either a tax break in it. They're trying to appeal to the UK uh, international audience for them or or they're just trying to double down and get people into the into the cinemas. They just put a bunch of money into so that that to me is like the most canon aspect of this movie. <laughs> and I love it. I think it's. Yeah. I'm like no, I'm here for it. I love I love what these guys choose, are doing. Choosing the financing of the movie as the most canon thing is probably the right way to go with that category. <laughs> Maybe not even financing, just the rationale for like just why the, they yeah, why they shot like, it the way they shot obviously it. Obviously, that's what motivated everything they did, and except when they made terrible, really bad decisions on how to do how to do things. Well, and that's that's what's so strange about this is like there's enough. Like they, yeah. meat on the bone here to say they were actually making some good decisions like they they're brought in a lot of the right talent when it came to like behind the camera stuff it's just for whatever reason again it's like they, they just couldn't stitch the whole thing together correctly and it's it's kind of sad because i you i feel like there's pieces in this that I'm like, i can see where they're going with it oh they definitely. really were building to a much bigger more interesting movie and i i kind of think that if if Canon had had landed this as a hit, it probably would have changed a lot of their trajectory for what they did. The rest they of the could 1980s. have taken source material similar to this, yeah, and pulled in a Michael Douglas, not necessarily probably. Michael, but an act, or when they're going after Sylvester Stallone for over the top, they're doing it with some, something. Successful. They don't have to overpay him, yeah, because they've got some so some credence to what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, no, that right. maybe it doesn't. Uh, or like Masters of the Universe. They're maybe they're getting scrambling. more funding. Yeah, and they were scrambling at that point. To... I think right. They wrong, don't have to scramble. They don't have to. Yeah. Canon actually had the rights to Spider Man in the 1980s, before Sony ever got it. Before Despite, that was like, they, when, they ever make one? I thought they did, or they made a um, like a TV movie. Hmm. I'm gonna I'll have to look up. that up. Ooh, look it up. Um, so, I I did want to hit on the ending, um, please. So after this procedural stuff and which all becomes kind of pointless when the when she just rips herself out of Patrick Stewart's body and still goes and just does their plan. Which <laughs> like, so like, it's like, oh, we could have cut like 30 minutes out of here. Um, but like London is in total chaos, like this vampire infection. It's like it takes two hours and then you have to feed and get another life force or you die. And so it's just like exponentially multiplied to where London is. And it feels more zombie-esque because it's like you get bitten, you're infected, and then you have to go out and get others. And so it's a little more zombie movie. But so Kane and Carlson have gone back in to try to stop it, but independently. Carlson's going because he's getting drawn to the vampire. And you don't know if he's going to try to stop her or if he's going because he's like, finally given in and seduced by her and Kane's going in to stop him. And 
Well, their umbrella quick, spaceship I, has arrived and is sucking life forces <laughs> out of London because every time an infected person sucks the life force from someone else a little bit goes up to the spaceship is what they tell you yeah and it's from this doctor character who's definitely from the book dr falada and needs to be in there to give you these facts but makes no sense in the movie no he's just an old british guy you cut him out of the movie and you you wouldn't miss anything other than like three things he explains because he's supposed to be like a doctor who understands like death and is obsessed with the afterlife or something um so they go up there, but so Dr. Falada has killed one of the male vampires with which is done off screen. Iron sword. <laughs> but yeah, you never like, but and then he's like, it was like, so I figured out if you use like the old and he's like, you do it the old way. And it's like, really? Well, the, okay, the old way. We all know that. <laughs> like it has to be like tempered metal or so, something like that. Like, and you can't do the heart. It's gonna be two inches below the heart where the life force is. <laughs> it's like, ah, yes, we all know. <laughs> two inches below the heart, Andrew, where you keep your life force. <laughs> right. Uh, I keep my second heart. I, I always pre- I always have a <laughs> a little guard over my life force when I <laughs> get into dangerous situations. Hey, don't let women break your life force. Protect, yeah, <laughs> protect yourself. Don't give too much of yourself away. Uh, so, <laughs> so Kane is gone, and he's gotten this sword, which as we don't know where it's come from. <laughs> well, so Kane, Kane, this also doesn't make sense. Is Kane gets the call, or he talks to Falada, who's in London while London's falling apart with this zombie apocalypse that all of a sudden they introduce in the third act, which also is crazy because they very quickly figure out that the pri- they go to see the Prime Minister of Lo- of the United Kingdom. He has turned, and <laughs> yep. then it's like in like a thirty second span, like two hundred more people become <laughs> become zombies, and that's actually kind of cool. I like that they escape to the roof, Andrew, and they basically exponential math. <laughs> I'm sorry, thank you. It, this this felt like World War Z with uh, like the Brad Pitt yeah. movie World War Z, where it's like all of a sudden it's just like this thing where it's just very quickly overpowering and overwhelming this a city, uh, and and they actually kind of like this part. They escape on the helicopter. Um, Eddie Izzard is the pilot for, for this helicopter. <laughs> um, but I thought all of this was like a lot of it, it works really well. And I thought it was it built yeah. really good tension, but Kane goes to see Falada and Falada's told him how to kill the vampires, but then Falada has also been turned himself. So it's very I, straight. Like it doesn't make any sense. The Falada character is very sense. weird. Yeah. He's weird it, at the beginning. And, and it doesn't it, well, add up to anything. No, he doesn't yeah. add up to anything at the end, other than he's like somehow he off screen has figured out how to de- defeat the uh, space vampires, and so he, so Kane goes to see him. Kane realizes he's turned, shoots him, and he's dead. But then Kane takes the sword and just runs off into like uh, central London with this weird looking half sword thing that that uh, all of a sudden i guess has <laughs> special powers yeah, it's just it doesn't right. make any sense it's not been established at all where this came from but <laughs> i will say kane's outfit in this scene is awesome he's got the trench coat he kind of looks like deckard from uh yeah from Blade Runner. Know, i, I like, love this cool. i do enjoy this ending it's just it you've it comes out of nowhere from <laughs> what yeah. you've spent in the last like 30 40 minutes doing <laughs> well so to your point um that's when it seems to turn that Kane is trying to, I guess, either help or stop Carlson, who Carlson has found the, the where they're, I guess it's like the main feed of where they're, the life forces are being drained out of out of the UK. And so um, 
Carlson, I, I'm I, I'm trying to see if I can describe this correctly. Carlson finds a naked, or a, I don't know if she's naked already, but it's like all the life force is coming out. Matilda May is either undresses or she, but she she's already naked, and then Carlson becomes naked, and then they're having stand up sex on this pulpit of sorts in the middle of I think a church basement. That that is all accurate. While all of these life forces are being sucked up into the spaceship and then Kane arrives just in time to throw a sword down to uh to Carlson who then impales both Matilda May and himself somehow defeating and repelling the spaceship back into space and ending the whole crisis of these these space zombies so um well done sir <laughs> Because that is exactly what happens. Whatever I just said, I don't know what the fuck any of it means or how any of it happens. It's a fun thing to watch, but yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I have no idea. The rules never make any sense to me as to like how they justify the defeating of the. the, the That's my big problem with the ending. It's the ending. These space vampires have been defeated, or are they just like they've been defeated on Earth and are like off to somewhere else now, or they're gonna come back like? In right. two days, uh, they're like regroup and come back. <laughs> right, <laughs> they've sucked up a bunch of life force. Are they now like powered <laughs> up and like, like, and they they it's just this like red light that goes up to the ship and like kind of <laughs> explodes like Independence Day style. I'm like, it's like okay, they're defeated now. <laughs> the ship just kind of goes in reverse. As I remember, the ship just kind of goes in reverse. Like it's like all right, well, then, all right, fuck it, we're coming back later. Like we're just yeah. gonna back up and back up and pump with this. I, mean, I guess I, it's I guess it's a metaphor for like red and blue states, like red defeats blue, and like yeah, it's, it's definitely it's pro uh, Republican. The, the movie, the U.S. the U.S. political system, <laughs> even Lincoln and Globus. That's true. Um, I will say what I don't understand about it is, and maybe I'm missing it, but is is the spaceship supposed to be phallic or? <laughs> so I, it's hard. I mean, I'm, the... I, I'm I'm joking, but I'm also being half serious. Of no, like, it's not clear uh, yeah. like how they're. A bunch it. of the early scenes in the spaceship, it seems like they're going through orifices, like a birth canal, potentially. Yeah. Like it, it, the visual metaphor seemed to be there to support this, and then, and then at the end, they seem to just have like <laughs> abandoned him. They have no worry; they're not doing visual metaphors anymore. <laughs> what you see is what you get, which kind of is again. That's when the, the movie sort of peters out. Is like. Interesting ideas, interesting stuff that's yeah. on the screen, but it just it's the first never forty minutes. The loop on it. Yeah, gives you a ton of a good ideas and great special effects, and like, and then you get kind of like boring canon procedural <laughs> sci-fi and gobbledygook nonsense for a while, and then you go back to like some good special effects, um, good action, but like the plot's now incomprehensible, and so it's like, all right, yeah, I guess these. We want to repel the space vampires like cocaine. <laughs> well, it's that. It's like when they're in the helicopter flying back into London after Patrick Stewart's character is is sort of unceremoniously killed. And it's like, hey, there's a call for you. By the way, London in the 20 minutes you guys have been gone is falling apart. Everybody's dead. Yeah. And like the zombies. army has set up like a complete quarantine. And yeah, like, it's like, yeah. what the fuck? Oh, like, come on. One thing I did like in the procedural part. When they so they go find that green room, that like, uh, weird oh, pea, that, pea green no. room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so now they 
after they uh, violently interrogate this woman, they go find like Patrick Stewart. And like they present it as they're going to he's a psychologist or something, a doctor, and they present it as they're going to see one of his patients. But it's really a misdirect because they know he's the one that's possessed, but they're tricking him into into like joining it's a night it worked well for me because you see them like pull each other aside and they talk like oh it's like it's him but we gotta like fool him otherwise she'll realize what's going on and jump to another body kind of thing um and like there's a moment where he's like well i should probably come along if you're interrogating one of my patients and and like it's just night it's it's a pretty good script moment that it's not like within the surrounding areas is not necessarily great. Like, but like, it's like a fun little misdirect within there that kind of, um, that definitely gets me where I'm like, Oh, right. He's the one possessed. And I, I, I like it too. And I think that is one of the better parts of when they're setting the stakes that, that you can, they start to really message that if these, if these space, if these space vampires are infecting people, <laughs> there's a certain level of where you just can't detect it until it's too late. And so they're starting to build the stakes that yeah. if this thing spreads, it will take down an entire, entire, it, it could take yeah. down the entire world. And so you start yeah. to see that there's some, there's some Mr. X and some things that um, make you feel like there's actually some stakes that, that Patrick Stewart scene is definitely one where you're like, Oh, it could be anybody. You're not going to know until it's too late. And if you're not careful, like it, it's going to, it's going to overcome a bit of, you too. A bit of the thing in there. Y- yeah. And it, I, I agree with you that, that that's a, that does work pretty well. The problem is they go from maybe a clever setup of that into, yeah, well, that thing will multiply that shit by like a hundred. And that's what's going on <laughs> over in this next scene that we're going to go film instead. And it's like, uh, okay. Like like the, the the subtle things that do work, they they even manage to sort of fumble that later on in the movie. Yeah, and I, I thought I, it's probably my problem. They repeat themselves a little bit. Um, so in the, when they're they pull these like the woman in, um, to this I don't know facility, and you go through kind of the same thing twice with like the desiccated bodies. Yeah. Where like this body's been desiccated, it wakes back up and attacks somebody, and then they kind of like do it again, and it's the same thing with this procedural stuff where they go find the woman, and they do, and then they go through the same thing again with Patrick Stewart. Yeah, and it's kind of building, but it also just feels like repetitive, and like it's like, man, I wonder if you just only did that once and kept the movie moving, so you didn't have to edit out what they edited out and that kept it at like an hour and a half, an hour 40. Yeah. If that would have kept the pace and plot moving along and didn't bog you down. I think so. Cause I agree is like, it's like almost like when they get off the helicopter or they go to the woman's apartment and they get off the, and they get off the helicopter thing. It's like all of that sort of those two bookends or the movie just really hits a, a, a really slow, yeah kind of crawl and i think that's where to me it, it, i was like jesus like all right where are we going with this like let's let's get this thing moving again and but then the th- i like the third act and I, I even though it's not always yeah. the best shot i really like the stuff with kane sort of on his own no, trying it's to defend fun himself horror in, movie in the city. Kinda, yeah and I, and I think you could say 
a lot of the zombie movies that kind of came later in the in the 80s and 90s and 2000s uh for example um 28 days later i'm like yeah i could see you can see a lot of a lot of things they may have lifted from from this at least as a sort of an inspiration hey again it's, it's frustrating it was frustrating watching this because it, it feels like there's so much here that has potential and it just they kind of squander it and it's just well, it's especially frustrating when they are spending the money <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's, it's, compared it's, to other canon movies where they're not spending the money and want the same result so you <laughs> like yeah <laughs> like you forgive it this is like ah oh, you just needed you really could have just shifted like your resources around to maybe maybe yeah, done it they're always like five degrees off from like this being just a gigantic hit. <laughs> yeah. like that's like that means I, I do enjoy this movie i do like it it just has some very big flaws <laughs> what would you rate it because i i again the more we've talked about it, the more i'm like well maybe i'm not maybe i'm being too harsh on this i need to give it more credit um i, I i'm gonna stick with my three and a half out of five uh space zombie boobs no, that's that's pretty good. I think no, that uh, that and that's that's pretty high. And is that like a total recall boobs, or is that like? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like three and a half for me. Like four, like like four is a movie I will like probably like go to the mat for. This is a good movie, or it just has like, or it's like, yeah, it is. It's a good movie. Like and like, would say like just about anybody who sees this should be able to recognize like redeeming qualities in this and admit it's a good movie. Three and a half is like ah uh, okay, I could see not everybody liking this or you can't get back like, but it's still it's still a good movie and I could see somebody enjoying it for really just... like enjoying it much more because there's yeah. quite a bit here. I'm just they can't get past a few flaws, um, but I, I just say that it's like a pretty. Like, I I don't I don't know what I'm saying. It's a good ranking. I, I think it's good. It's good for a canon movie. You're right. It's good for a canon movie. I I will up my <laughs> might be great for a canon movie. It, but, all right, yeah. Time will tell on that scale, one. <laughs> if you put this on the sliding scale of like the next movie they're gonna do is fucking over the top or something like that, I'm like <laughs> this is like. Academy Award winning levels of, of like I don't know I kind of like over the top it's been a while since I've seen it uh, <laughs> sure it holds up sure it holds up <laughs> turns out I mean I know you just you've 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 also gone through divorce in your life I don't know <laughs> you if really, maybe you, really hit me in the right you can place. relate to Lincoln so Hawks uh, I, divorce and, and I, subsequent I, arm wrestling competitions I, I I did watch over the top like kind of right in the heart of like. <laughs> the divorce time of my life so you did are you, are you kidding or no i'm not kidding so it may really that really really may be the truth it really may have spoke to me are you, are you gonna start start a trucking business that you can one day leave to your child <laughs> look my my children have seen me arm wrestle at least three dozen times so are you gonna um it's just like this can go real dark uh was your father-in-law also robert loja <laughs> uh sure why not <laughs> <laughs> i uh i yeah i um i it's just to your point i think this is a fun it, it is a fun movie i i enjoyed it more watching this it's a serious it's a serious but like watching it for this i enjoyed it more than the first time i saw it and it, and it did strike me how much good stuff is here 
it is a shame watching it of like what could have been for canon and i think this unfortunately this, i do believe yeah, this was probably yeah, the start yeah, of you. the end and it, 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 it's it's a shame uh, I, i'll probably up, up my rating from two and a half to probably i'll give it three yes. uh, sp- <laughs> uh spaceship umbrella things out of five uh i i i, I liked it i it was weird I, I came away from this with a better appreciation for it and i do think as we go through this because i think our next movie is uh, american ninja this definitely is a um is a oh, film. Yeah. <laughs> this is a high water mark for canon. Canon's world's better than American Ninja. And, yeah. And I, I think their problem is this movie was the out was like an outlier for them. And that, that's the problem. It's like this was an outlier where it probably was it had potential and they were close to probably a formula for something good. Um it probably scared them into either doing things like paying Stallone too much money for over the top. Dipping into franchise yeah. movies, I think they, I think they probably overpaid with the Salkins and Christopher Reeve to do Superman four, and then even with getting the franchise for He Man for the movie, it's like they probably were like, no, 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 we're going to retreat to IP that we think is safe, and we uh, we feel like we could, you know, is bankable for lack of a better word. And I, I guess what they didn't learn was, no, you need the IP, you need the star, and you need the director. <laughs> You can't just do one or two of them. <laughs> you got to yeah, do all. It's... If you're gonna go all in, you got to do all three. And yeah. they would. They only would ever do like one or two. <laughs> and that's that's maybe that's the biggest canon trope of this movie is like they they really just they never they never went whole hog on like the, you got to go all in on from everything. Like the start from the screenplay to the like everything. <laughs> and that's I think that's what's a shame is like Life Force is they're they're close like they're close on cracking cracking this. And I get. But they yeah. just didn't have another $25 million to throw at a movie like this and take a chance. And I think that's why it's like, okay, we're going to go back to doing B-level action movies with Chuck Norris and stuff like that. Build our money up and then yeah. blow it all on Masters of the Universe. I uh, I think Invasion USA was... Yep, 1985 as well. This was also... <laughs> so to, I mean, that to saved them. <laughs> to that point, I mean, let's see what the budget for in 1985... They go out and they spend twelve million on Invasion USA, and then they get a box office return of seventeen and a half. So even even that, like that's it's half the budget oh, yeah. of this, and they still made back their budget, probably a little bit of extra money. And it's that is, and I can't wait. Are we co- we're covering it on this run, right? Invasion USA. Yeah. Ooh. Did we All screw right, this up like... and not include Invasion USA? <laughs> Uh, no, no Invasion USA. So after this, we had American Ninja 52 pickup missing in action. That will be fun. Cyborg, Invaders from Mars, and then New Year's Evil. I am, I am. I also like how during the course of recording these, we have like five cannons definitely want to do for like the next run. (laughs) Yeah. And that, that, I forgot that I forgot about, um, Invasion USA. I'm disappointed. I think that might need to be a one off. That's such a special movie. Uh, just because it's so insane, <laughs> it maybe deserves its own. Uh, or Chuck Norris deserves his own run. Uh, all right. So, uh, do, do you want to put Carl Brothers in this movie? Yeah, I think I will. Um, I since there's only like three Americans in this, that's where <laughs> it's like, right, where, where do you shoehorn Carl Weathers in? Um, I think. If I had to put him anywhere, though, for the most bang for my buck, 
I would replace, I would do this. I would swap Patrick Stewart into the Kane role and I would make Dr. Armstrong <laughs> Carl Weathers because <laughs> I want to <laughs> see how he plays the whole part where um, he, he has to pretend to be Matilda May for like five minutes of the movie. So I, I feel like that would be a really interesting, interesting play for, for Carl Weathers. I, 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 I really that, like it. He's not an action character. He's all focused on on giving exposition and being a sort of bookish um, uh, psychiatrist in this. I, I'd be very curious to see that side of him. How about you? Uh, no, I, I really like yours, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not screwing around with mine. Carl Weathers is playing Carlson, and we're watching him fuck that space vampire. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You could also substitute him in for one of the uh, the male aliens. I he, thought he, about he, that too. He probably has a more physical pretty... presence than either of those two guys combined. Because I I thought so... you, there's a I they're brown haired, but there's still like a little bit of an Aryan vibe from yeah. those space vampires. So wouldn't mind having a taking yeah. those guys down a peg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I think Carl Weathers moves him up a peg. I think uh, I think you got. Th- he's also coming off of like Rocky. He did Rocky three. Yeah, he's not. Uh, and, Ro- and he did Rocky five this year, too. And so he's like, he is hard still to imagine he's jacked. doing this. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he, no, he's not. Like, I think he's, he's, uh, he's maybe he's as, Carl- maybe as Carlson is the lead. He is. I could see that. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to him as, if they're as the lead. Paying him as they're paying him as a lead. He, yeah. he might might do. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what his choices were. Well, and so the the lead here is a guy named Steve uh, Rallisback who plays Carlson. I think like this might be his high watermark. Yeah, so, he's I mean, he he's in Barbed Wire as yeah. Colonel Kreiser. <laughs> yep, sure is. Yeah, it's so not and, a, uh, not a lot. I mean, he's worked. He's worked a lot. It's just so like it's... not it's not like because sometimes you go through and you see somebody wow they had like three credits and like this was one of them so no like he's um he's like kept working and uh, I, I i just he, i never found anything, him compelling like, yeah. as like a, a lead that was i think that was what bothered me about and him that was... but you can yeah you can see why this has been his career it's like to keep working but never pop as, like break out as a and, yeah. yeah that he's um, just a solid guy, but not. And I guess that's the kind of criticism we had of just an actual movie star might have helped. Yeah, um, that's this is also just like good, pretty, yeah, pretty indicative good. of canon too. So and then, so I guess if you had to spend, so the budget for this was twenty five million. It yeah, its box box office was I think a hair under twelve million, which is tough. If I would put more money into the actors, which is a really easy answer for for my ten percent more budget. Where would you put um ten percent more? If you had another two and a half million dollars to to throw at this, uh, to stay uh, thematically consistent with our podcast. Oh God! I'm bringing in D'Souza, <laughs> having him re- rewrite the entire entire script. God damn right! Add a bunch of quips. Oh, there are going to be space vampire quips all over the place. <laughs> well, so did Susie do Commando? Is that what that wasn't one of his, was it? Uh, no, no, I think it. Oh my God, we are full. Yeah, no, that game. was that was that was. Um, because the Commando is an eighty-five movie as well, so I'm wondering if he just. Yeah, yeah I, no, I, I, I hope you get him. He's a writer on Commando. I don't. I mean, I can't. 
you know, it's always hard to know. But yeah, he is a writer on Commando. So, man, I've only seen fifty four percent of his of his body of <laughs> work too, which is which is a shame for someone who's done a podcast on him. It's pretty shocking. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm looking at all the ones that he he did that I have not seen. No, he's famous for a lot of like coming in as a last minute doctor of stuff. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, the, the ones I have not seen are pretty tough. I would, I'm not, I, I would, <laughs> hey, 9,000 man's best friend crimes worst enemy. The dog of the future is here. I have not seen that movie. <laughs> well, it's also, it's, I, I don't know. Um, if you're looking at Letterboxd, I don't know what they have, but he also like, we look at, yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff he's done too. He, he's got a lot of TV shows listed. So like, yeah, on on my letterbox, you're not gonna have like Knight Rider checked off as haven't seen Knight Rider, <laughs> like when oh, he wrote like two episodes of Knight Rider. So like, oh, yeah, it's kind of. <laughs> um. No. I, I, fair point. I um. I I like the idea of let's bring in Stephen Stephen E. D'Souza, especially eighty five D'Souza. <laughs> he's peak. He's at his peak. He's after his, yeah. That's post uh forty eight hours. Post probably Commando at this point. So yeah, why not? I'd love to see them bring in uh, David Patrick Kelly, who played Sully from Commando, as <laughs> characters in this. Oh, he he would fit well. So, hey, well, we didn't cover it, but what do you think your most canon moment is from? What? Uh, oh, Bloodsport. Bloodsport. Yeah, we didn't hit that since uh, we're we're doing oh. a little bit of backpedaling. Uh, oh man, that's a tough one. Do you want my answer? I'll yeah, go first. I do. I do. I think the most uh, canon moment of that is i'm gonna forgive the belgian guy fighting in asia who's supposed to be an american uh i'm gonna ignore all that i'm gonna go with um the fifty thousand volt taser that that is almost (laughs) a character throughout that movie because they've referenced it so many damn times i would argue that you could you could put that up there with canon films um making the uzi uh uh such a (laughs) ubiquitous weapon in the 1980s um i like it damn right you do i'm gonna go with the kid in the bartles james (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt that's pretty good what's fucked up is that feels like that's somebody who worked on the movie's kid they're like i I just want that kid just owns that bartle and james i just want i just wanted something in the scene that had like the young frank dukes (laughs) I think that's I think, the most canon. I didn't check IMDb, but I think that on Letterboxd, that that poor kid did not do another movie or had, did not. Oh, have another oh, oh really? Gy. I I feel. I, I hope he's had kid. a successful life, but he, I I don't think he was destined for screen screen success. Uh no, he's not. I mean, he's he's probably as destined for screen success as I am, which is not P- much. Pierre Raffini. At least that kid sounds French. And it's not them trying to force some poor child to affect a Jean-Claude Van Damme accent or something like that. But yeah, that. that's all he's done. I, I hope he's gone on to a uh, very successful life. But I, uh, well, so, all right, what do we have? What do we yeah, have it's up his, next? It's his only credit. <laughs> we have, all right, we talked about it, I think, already, but we have uh, American Ninja coming up next. I think that's oh, also yeah. a 1985. Yep, 19, 1985. My God, I think we we might we could have just done a, a entire run canon, of canon 1985 movies, <laughs> and it would have been super successful. But uh, no, this has got uh, uh, Michael Dudikoff playing Private Joe Armstrong again. It's another 
another guy who knows karate, a white guy in the art in the U.S. Army who un- somehow knows uh, uh, has a deep knowledge of karate, um, fighting fighting an evil empire. So it's it's kind of the the DNA of Bloodsport. Um, and I I remember seeing this a lot as a kid. I don't think I've really watched this wow. in a while as an adult. I, I I've seen it as an adult. I I did not not one I was aware of as a kid. This was another like it was on USA Today or USA Today, sorry USA, <laughs> uh, a lot before they really had their own content and stuff like that. Uh, okay, but man, uh, this had I miss those days a million dollar budget and it and its box office was ten million dollars. And I think this is like they made like four more of these. So. Yeah, and anything for Canon that did that kind of like return that's huge. They just that's started. Huge. They just churned them out. Yeah. Well, uh, my, my only other thing I know, Michael Dudikoff, who's the lead in this, uh, is he plays one of the crazier dudes in uh, the Tom Hanks movie Bachelor Party. <laughs> so oh, really? Yes. Man, I have to watch Bachelor Party soon. <laughs> well, my wife had never seen it. So we, she was like, what is this? I'm like, oh, it's kind of funny. Like, I think you might enjoy it. It's it's kind of like Caddyshack and um maybe like a Mel Brooks movie mixed in together. And uh, we watched it and I was like, holy shit, it's fucking American ninjas. in this!" So I'm pretty excited about this one. I'm looking at all the names and <laughs> there are, it, it is a weird mix of what looks like uh, Israeli people in this one American guy, two American people in this, some Asian people in this, and then some Latino people in this. And it's all supposed to be set in like the Philippines. So I'm like, this is going to be an absolutely bizarre movie. To yeah. Oh, I, that's that's my how I, I remember it. <laughs> but I, I mean, to, like you said, I think this is a. Uh, this is probably the this is like a formula movie for for Canon Films. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. curious. Oh, how, yeah. So. Oh, this is a very Canon Films <laughs> movie. So I, I can't wait. So. Uh, re- recapping, we both uh, we both think it's three plus uh, space alien ship or umbrella ships for for life force. <laughs> uh, American Ninja is next, and then right after that, I think are we doing is that fifty two pickup? Fifty two pickup, yeah. I'm excited I'm, about that. Uh, uh, you yeah, s- you seem to to oh, your... uncover some interesting <laughs> facts about <laughs> old fifty two pickup. <laughs> Please feel free to elaborate. It won't hurt my feelings. Uh, multiple porn stars are credited in the movie, including uh, Ron Jeremy, Amber Lynn, and many others. And they're all credited as party goer. <laughs> so there's going to be at least one scene in that movie that is very interesting. <laughs> and then you have uh, Roy Scheider is your lead. <laughs> so the, guy, the guy from Jaws, 10 years on. Is making making uh uh fifty two pickup. Yeah, it's a, now I'm not sure what to expect from this movie. Cause... I've never seen it, so I, I'm pumped to, to yeah. see something new. Uh, is it streaming anywhere right now, or is it something we're gonna have to? Oh, uh, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, let me look again. Because um, I thought I had just looked at this the other day, and it was, which is you know always huge for. Uh... Oh, it's lo- on Roku. Roku Tubi. With ads, stuff with ads, yeah. Okay. Or canopy yeah. for free if you can if you can get canopy. I have canopy um, uh, through my mom, which is okay. uh, <laughs> through my our local library. 
So yeah, so okay, so I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped about seeing that one too. And yeah, then, no, uh, yeah. Uh, American Ninja, I feel like is going to be uh, pretty interesting. I can't wait to see yeah, yeah. the trials and tribulations I, of I, uh, of Private. I, I feel that one for the podcast is going to be more really hitting hard some individual scenes. Uh, probably, and we do we do the the uh just to finish out the order. Fifty two pickup will be uh, coming out on December second. Then missing in action, cyborg, invaders from Mars, the other Toby Hooper movie from uh, from Canon. Yeah, and then I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, New, New Year's, Year's Evil, Evil. <laughs> uh, man, oh, I can't yeah, wait to, baby. to do that one because that's that's uh, a bizarre film, and it's also one of the first movies that the Canon guys made under under or uh, Golden Globus made under the Canon umbrella. So I think that's going to be a role. Yeah, I was excited to get to watch that by New Year's <laughs> Evil. So, all right. <laughs> On that note, I will I will catch you next week. Space vampires. Space vampires. Goodbye. <laughs>